A.J. Rice is the CEO of Publius PR, premier communications firm in Washington, D.C. I have booked many a guest through his firm to come on and talk about their new books and about their impact on our culture, our society, our politics, and so on and so forth. But now A.J. is tired of promoting everybody else, and he decided to sit down and write his own. It is a monster. The Woking Dead. Now, you know it's good for two reasons. Number one, the table of contents is six pages long itself. <laughs> it is It is. It is all-encompassing. It is truly a really, really large work because there is so much material when you're talking about Woke America. But the second reason is anybody who can write a book called The Woking Dead and then start it with a foreword that includes the lyrics from Michael Jackson's Thriller by Vincent Price uh, at the, at the uh, outset, you know it's going to be good. Let's welcome A.J. We're at Rice to our program on AM 1420. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's worthy. It's worthy. I've only been able to skim this so far because this is a nearly 500-page monstrosity, A.J. Rice, so I'm still working my way through it, but i got to tell you, I'm hooked, my friend. Absolutely well, hooked. Well, Brother Bob, it's good to be here. Now, I'm glad you noticed the Vincent Price in the beginning. The one thing about this <laughs> book is you don't have to read it cover to cover. I know it's big. I mean, it's not Tolstoy big, but it's big. But one of the things I wanted to do was Make it like a album with like track listing. Yeah. So yeah, the table of contents is long, but each section there's ten sections, and there's you know vignettes in each section, and there's ninety seven of them. But we're we're having fun with the zombie theme, obviously, um, with uh, Thriller, with Michael Jackson's Thriller. But I just want to thank you and your audience. You got an audience full of patriots. And, you know, you guys really kick butt on the air, so thank you for having me Well, on. we do. We do have a lot of patriots absolutely right. They're going to love this book, and I'm going to tell them all about it. Uh, and what I love about it is what you just said. I love that comparison, by the way. It's kind of like an album. You don't always have to just put the needle. Well, I'm really going back to dating myself here with vinyl. But you don't have to just put it on the edge and listen to the entire thing in its order. You can skip around here. You, I mean, you can read, you know, uh, number 37 and then number 42 and, then, and and all the way up and around. And, and it's not like there's a plot that you're going to miss because each of the stories is a story story of wokeism on its own and you know what i have to say here aj that i'm impressed with is you were able to cover so much ground in so many examples of the wokeism that we're suffering uh, suffering from right now the question is is how did you pare it down this could have been twice well as i mean yeah there was there was stuff that we <laughs> it was on the cutting room floor right and there's stuff every day i mean i you know i'm i write columns almost every week i mean i just wrote one about these minneapolis teachers union that want to fire white people first I mean, it's it's crazy. It's all around us. It's it's in our entertainment. It's in our sport. It's in our kids' textbooks. So you know, I mean, look, this is a a a you know a manual on how to fight back. Um, some of it is insightful. Some of it's horrific. But I mean, that's the goal. Of, you know, we try to have some fun too along the way, and that's really the goal of comedy is to, to transform horror into humor. Oh, that's well said, and 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 there is there's you know, it it's it's one of those things where you say, well, this is funny, but not in the ha ha way. Uh, it's funny just because of the bizarre nature of it, and how and how maybe uh, indefensibly asinine it is. But you really do put the ha ha into it as well, and you kind of have to. I think if we were to face all of the issues that you cover in this, we'll just talk about a few of them. I think if you, if we were to face them all, uh, just you know, with a, with a serious a serious attitude, I think we'd all go crazy. We have to be able to. Well, laugh I mean, look, what is what did people like Limbaugh and and Joan Rivers and and others teach us, uh, you know, and that is to hang a joke on someone can be more devastating than to try to make some brilliant, 
you know, erudite point, right? I mean, Andrew Breitbart always said the American people are downstream from culture. They, they, they see if you're screwing with their stand-up comedy, if you're screwing with their NBA game, they're going to see that before they know who's running for Congress in Idaho, right? So, I mean, that, that in and of itself is, is – and that's the Vogue virus. That's the Vogue virus. We've seen this before, Bob. I mean, the political correct movement of the 1990s. This is a new and improved steroid injection version of that. That's very well said, too. We're talking to A.J. Rice, the author of The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. And this is exactly that. Um, let me ask you this, before we get into some of the specifics. Is wokeism here to stay? Because you talk about some ways to defeat it, things that we can do to overcome certain elements of this. But again, this is so comprehensive. And as you say, there's so much ground uh, that you left uncovered here, you know, or you're on the cutting room floor to mix my metaphors. Um, there's so much that we would have to overcome. Is it here to stay, or is there something no. that we, where we look back no, 20 years from now and look. say, remember those early uh, tw- you know, 2000s and 2000 uh, teens and those years? Oh, boy, that was crazy, wasn't it? I, I-, I don't think that we're ever going to look back from this. Well, I, I think there's an expiration date because right. if there is a true insur- if there is an insurrection happening in the United States, it's happening with parents. All right, and look, I think this is an 80 percent issue because whether it's cancel culture or CRT or or you know the 1619 project, whatever it is, virtue signaling with masks on for no reason while you're riding a bike with no helmet, you know whatever whatever it is, they've look. This is cultural Marxism. It's been around about 100 years. It predates World War I. And what they knew then, they know now, and that is you're never going to get the workers of the world here, blue-collar people, plumbers in Ohio, carpenters in Ohio. They love their country. So they're not going to overthrow the government. You've got to get somebody else to overthrow it. Who? Well, here's who. The entertainment industry, academia. They, you know, got into the media, obviously, and, and the Democratic Party seems to be the home of them currently. And the thing that ties them all together is big tech. So it, there is a fight happening. Um, big tech acts as the sort of cartilage, the aircraft carrier they all refuel and take off from. But people are waking up from this. I mean, they really are. If you got you, we need some more guys like Bill Maher who don't they don't agree with France and Rice on. You know, he might not on global warming or immigration, but he agrees with us on this, right? Dave Chappelle's not exactly Ben Carson. He agrees with us on this. So if there's more people out there, you know, that will push back on this abridgment of free speech, we can win. We can absolutely win, and the parents are really fighting back. I mean, look what happened in Florida this week. I mean, all these school districts that flipped. So, yeah, I mean, I I think there is an expiration date. We just have to keep fighting. I want to talk about big tech for a second, um, because when you say, you know, that's kind of the engine that drives this, I'm, I'm just basically asking a chicken and egg question here. Does big tech control left-wing education? Does big tech control left-wing politics? Or do left-wing politics and education and media control big tech? Are they giving them what they want? Well, they're the superhighway that they're moving their, their crazy ideas on, right? So if you don't want Gary and Steve in the women's locker room, they can cancel that opinion, Right. I mean, look, the left fought against separate but equal. Uh, this was, this was. I mean, they 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 were the people driving that, right? And now it's it's a shame, but France and Rice, we've got to create our own church, our own radio show, and 
our own uh, uh, social media platforms and our. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be this way. We were supposed to be one country. Um, but I really do believe, and I'm in I'm in Swamp Central, you know, right outside the uh, D.C. in Northern Virginia, and I saw what Youngkin did, and Youngkin was fueled because of wokeism, because of this garbage um, that they're pushing on us. It's, it's it's not just tearing down General Lee and his horse Traveler. They're coming for everything. They're coming for the Rosary Catholics. The Rosaries apparently. Yeah, white supremacy, gun uh, gun people with the rosary. Look out. All those Jesuit uh, priests with their machine guns. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, but no, I'm telling you, you you know, big tech, they they, they have the ability to, to pick winners and losers. But we are adapting. We are creating our own platforms. It's just a shame because we're supposed to be one country. And I just think that, you know, most of politics usually takes place between the 40-yard line, right? Um, but I, I do believe this is an 80% issue. I think the parents, whether they're right of center, left of center, wherever they're at, they pretty much don't want to be told that this group or that group hates the other one or, or was born with original sin of racism. You know, I want to think that, too, uh, A.J. We're talking to A.J. Rice, author of The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. I want to think that, too. I don't know that I do. Uh, a few follow-ups there. Um, I thought, when I asked you a moment ago about whether there's an end to this at some point, you say there is an end date. I thought that maybe we would have a glimpse of it when um, when Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter. And now, of course, with all of the bots and the lies about the number of accounts and followers there really are, et cetera, it looks like, looks like that's not going to happen. I thought that might kind of right the ship or at least be the first step. But the fact that that's not going to happen and Twitter is just as rabidly uh, uh, unfair and uh, you know censoring and suppressing of conservative speech as they have ever been, uh, that kind of makes me wonder, again, if this is the driver, as you called big tech, if they're driving all of this, why do you still have that faith that there's going to be an end date to this? Well, because we are getting creative ourselves, and we are, you know, we're, we're taking Twitter's power when we create other platforms for us to operate on, right? Whether it's Rumble or Getter, whatever it is, um, we're going to have to, you know, again, we're going to have to be innovative. Um, you know, talk radio in particular as a vertical medium. I mean, you can, you can obviously knock talk radio off of its live stream. But what's the brilliance of it, of course, still is that it's an actual broadcast signal. And they haven't figured out a way to censor, deplatform, demonetize it. They could go after your advertisers, of course, but they would have until, to. Until they bring know, back the fairness doctrine. Until they try they that. Could, I mean, but uh, look, and, and you and I know Rush and Sean and, and France and everyone. You guys have talked about that for a long time. Um, I mean, I was Laura Ingram's executive producer for five years, uh, you know, and we did plenty of segments on them bringing that up. But, you know, I don't see that coming. Maybe. I mean, they would have to control the government. I don't hear them talking about it now. They control all branches of government. Um, they want to, they're, they're more worried about us digitally. And that's who these people are, though. They're digital brown shirts. I got booted off LinkedIn about a month ago, for, and we, we use LinkedIn at Publius PR to basically share interviews and, and columns that our clients write. So I put two Naomi Wolfs up and one Gregory Wrightstone, and boom, I was in the penalty box, <laughs> LinkedIn penalty box. I didn't even know there was one. So, I mean, they're, they're going to keep coming at us. But they are. We need, to convince, we need to convince more honest, Democrat, libertarians 
that, you know, like Bill Maher, like some of these guys, Barry Weiss, you know, David Rubin, they're out there. We've got to get them on board to push back on this. I mean, yeah, look, we, Bill Maher's an atheist. He knows that, you know, uh, you know, the sisters of the po- little sisters of the poor aren't going to show up with an IED and blow him up if he makes fun of Catholicism. But look what happened to Salman Rushdie. Don't think for one second that what happened to Salman Rushdie isn't cancel culture. It's what ha- it's the inevitable conclusion of it. If they can't cancel you digitally, they may show up at your uh, work or or event. Well, you know what? I, I I completely concur, and there and I don't want to say anything that would get anybody in trouble here. But a lot of people have suggested if this last ditch attempt to take out and cancel Donald Trump by way of Mar-a-Lago raids and charges, if this fails, there are, there are some who say, well, what happened to Salman Rushdie would be the next thing. They literally will. Yeah, go I mean, I heard Bernie Carrick. Yeah, no, I heard Bernie Carrick say it. I mean, I look. I don't want to say that out loud. I don't want anybody knocking on my door. But you know what? I'm, you know what yeah, I mean? Right. I mean, look exactly. Well, you know, France, don't mess with France. But, I mean, look, they're giving out Supreme Court justices' addresses. They jumped on stage and attacked uh, Lee Zeldin, running for governor of New York. They jumped on stage in Los Angeles and tried to stab Dave Chappelle because the LGBTQ mafia put a whack, they wanted to whack him. And don't forget they put somebody in a a rifle's nest and uh, shot Steve Scalise and tried to shoot a whole bunch of others for crying out loud. Right down the street from my house. Right, there you go. I I mean, I, I agree. So hey, you know, hey, AJ, I want to I want to follow up here on on one of the other things you said. You know, where you talk about um, you know, do, do they do, do the people, whether you're left wing or right wing, really want to think that they hate one another? And I kind of I, I kind of take the approach that I think we are irrevocably um, divided. I and and the reason why is I find myself while I tried not to be this way, I find myself recognizing that I don't want to be united. If 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 unity involves me telling somebody who thinks men can have babies and who aren't going to like me unless I concur that yes men can have babies and that z z zo is is are, are actual words and pronouns that I have to use I don't want unity I can't be friends with people like that anyway and I feel like millions of people feel the same way. No, I agree. But what I'm telling you is, and that's the tyranny of the minority. There, there isn't, I mean, you know, the world is, is not consisting of AOC and the squad. The media amplifies this kookery, but That's they're true. not the majority. They're not. I mean, I, you know, I, I watched the state of Virginia flip 10 points from Biden to Yunkin in one year because they started messing with people's kids and pushing some of this, you know, Tommy has two mommies and, and you know, Gary can play on the women's volleyball team garbage go in the women's locker room or women's bathroom. I mean, regular parents that might have voted for, you know, Bill Clinton and then might have voted for George W. Bush and then might have voted for – they didn't like Hillary, so they, they voted for Trump, but then they, they, they didn't like, the, you know, some of Trump's, you know, mannerisms, so they went back to Biden because they thought the craziness would go away. Those people are out there. They're between the 40-yard line. They decide most of this stuff, and, and I, I agree with you. I don't want to be in a tuna can with wackos like you described. Right. So but all I'm saying is I think that we're in the majority. I don't think, you know, so you talk about being united on a lot of these cultural issues. I really believe we are Um, now. It's portrayed as if, you know, the LGBTQ mafia is the majority. But I don't even think the majority of the Democrat Party. 
let alone the majority of the United States. No, they're States. not, but you don't have to be the majority to have power. They have the power to ostracize. They have the power to get people fired from well, using pronouns. True. They have the power to get people suspended from school or expelled from school if they don't identify uh, pronouns and recognize others. So that's the thing. You don't, if you don't have the majority, but you have the, uh, the, the majority of the powerful positions, and they do, particularly in academia, and also in corporate America, with woke corporate America, which you cover, of course, um, that's the thing. They're, they don't have more. There are not more of them than there are us, but they are in positions of power, and that puts us at their mercy. And they're obsessed with diversity, right? They're obsessed with it, and you know the, everything they, they they filter everything through, you know, identity and skin color and sexual orientation. The funny thing, of course, you know, bad it's gotten AJ, and you, this, this just happened, so it's probably not in your book. Uh, but, but this, I just, you know, was, was reading and I'm trying to schedule a conversation with Heather McDonald about, about, uh, medicine. They are literally taking diversity and putting it over meritocracy when it comes to medicine. Medical schools are doing what Harvard has been doing with its gen- you know, undergraduate uh, admissions. They are admitting more and graduating more people who are uh, ethnic minorities or racial minorities, even if they have far lower qualifications and standards and scores than others. Now we're talking about people who make decisions on people's lives. No, that's wokeism no, right. woke to, to the nth degree. Oh, I, I was a veterinarian in Jamaica. I'm here to amputate your arm. I mean, look, that when you have a doctor shortage, I mean, we we called this right. You called it when you pass this Obamacare. The best and brightest don't, they're not going to go into medicine anymore. They're going to go be you know an engineer. So if you have a doctor shortage like England does, you're going to have to import people that are C students with degrees that should not be operating here. You're exactly right. Equity and diversity in numbers Correct. in medical schools. Uh, tr- you know, Trump. No, these people aren't Jackie Robinson. Okay, they're 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 Jethro Robinson. They're. <laughs> See, there's the humor. We need that, seriously. And I know you bring that throughout the book. The book is The Woking Dead, uh, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture by A.J. Rice. It's on Amazon. It's going to be on my webpage here by the end of the show so that you can click it and order it very easily right there. A.J., congratulations on this. Uh, Keep up the fantastic work, and I hope we can talk again. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. 1129, we don't often go all the way to the news, but we did, so we'll be back after this. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.